Hello, this is the house on Valencia Street, and this is a capper till we get into the episode here. Um, the hosting site that I put my podcast on, Anchor, which by the way, if you want to sponsor me, I'm trying to, I'm not very good at selling myself. I'm trying to work on that. I've been doing research. Oh, I'm actually thinking about opening up for chats and one-on-one coaching possibly, but the only thing I'd be selling is my time and some chats and some focus on the topics I, I cover in this uh, podcast here. Uh, that's coming up here. But here's a correction. Do, 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 do. Here's a capper. That's why I'm putting this little capper on here. The first thing is my hosting website, Anchor, has gone through some updates and maintenance updates this morning. And I've tried six times to record this capper. But there's a bunch of blips and uh, kind of some audio uh, static something going on there. And I'm just going to roll with it because... I'm going to get it out imperfect because that's what I have. And I'm trying to get this released on Saturday, Sunday, about once a week, right? So thanks for your patience. Okay, uh, so we're in the middle of the blips and blops of Anchor while it's doing its updates this morning. Thank you for that. Um, But uh, the main reason I'm recording this is I I talk about a guy named Billy Porter in this recording from Pose. And uh, I meant to say Billy Porter from Pose, but I said Billy Elliot because Billy Porter from Pose, his, his character's called Pray Tell, and he can preach, see, and he don't preach, and he don't preach. So uh, in my perception of things, so uh, I compare his character to another person who's a preacher. I believe he's a Pentecostal preacher, but we'll clarify that once we get on in here. But uh, respect to Billy Porter uh, and Billy Elliot. That's a great movie too, but I need to be correct. So I want to, I want to give respect and honor where I can. So, okay. Hey, thanks for your patience. And I'm sorry if this sounds like a crappy, kind of choppy a little bit, uh, but um, the recording uh, is a little smoother maybe. Yeah. So uh, here we go. Get ready. Buckle in, baby. We're ready to go. Hello. This is a house on Valencia Street. I'll be your host. Uh, I use explicit conversation. The topics will include ghosts, the paranormal, psychic ability, uh, incest, rape, domestic violence, foster care, emancipation, uh, quantum physics, uh, kink, BDSM, therapy, recovery, Buddhism, equality and right treatment in our culture, um, acknowledging truth. Yeah. Even when it's hard. Yeah. Um, so, Hey, this is a place where an incest and rape survivor gets to talk about things from her perspective. Um, ain't nobody who hasn't been raped telling me how to talk about being raped. Not here. And I get to say the word rape. Okay. I get to say it out loud here. And if I'm not yelling or screaming and I'm having a conversation here, that's well, a monologue. I guess a monologue. <laughs> well, no, there's a couple people listening to this. Uh, so maybe a little bit of a conversation because I'm hearing back from them. So, hey, anyway, <clears throat> so uh, <laughs> thank you for coming to the party. What's going on? Um, I'm feeling good. And I thought, you know, I tend to have to focus. Um, my focus with this work here is uh, serious. A lot of times there's a lot of serious, not much brevity. So I was feeling good today. And I thought I'd come to the microphone and record because I was in the middle of something buoyant and joyful. So, hey, so uh, let's see what else. Um, 
I think I got the disclaimers out of the way. I use explicit language. It's going to be intense topic conversation. Oh, hey, here's something else. You can uh, consent. You can consent to being here. And you can say, you know what? Uh, that's a lot of intense conversation. And I don't know. She's got an interesting voice. Maybe I'll listen a little bit. You can hang out and listen more. That's cool. You can also say, no, thank you. Pass. I got something else to do. I think I'm going to go focus there. You got options. You can consent. I like giving, even with me giving you an option. And no, I'm not saying I won't have my feelings hurt. I'm just saying I prefer you exert, you know, your choice. I like people exerting consent and choice. So anyway, la la la. There you go. There's a little snippet of that. Okay. What's going on? It's about uh, mm -mm, September 3rd, 2021. Boy, watching the news sure is depressing these days. <laughs> you know, I don't like to think about Nero with the violin playing as Rome burned, which factually, if you research that, that's actually a, a fallacy. Um, might have been a lyre, not quite a violin, right? Anyway, um, hard to say. Um, oh, and see, now I'm thinking about Sappho because Sappho played a lyre, L-Y-R-E. That was a big part of Sappho's fame. I've been doing some research on the poet Sappho, the lyric poet Sappho. Um, <clears throat> Yeah. Anyway, I digress. So I don't want to be like a little Nero sitting there playing, you know, the thing with that uh, image, though, is he created the fire, you know, whereas I'm just observing the fire or trying to take some responsibility where I can while people are down to COVID and my neighbor's taken off in an ambulance and she just got back and she's got oxygen tanks getting delivered. And does she have COVID? I don't know. She ain't going to tell us. Not that one. She's She's main that one. Anyway, so I'm observing these things going, wow, you know, do I share an air system with that person? I do. I share an attic and a heating system with that person. And there's all kinds of documented cases of people dying of COVID through apartment buildings, through air systems. So I'm, you know, something else to worry about these days. We got brand new sets of worries these days with the pandemic, don't we? Uh, in this particular case, COVID. So <clears throat> I had some joy today and I'm going to share it with you. Okay, so here we go. Um. Well, this is a place where we hang out and some relatives and shit. And I was sitting there thinking, I, you know, I probably should talk about the ghosts and the psychic ability more. And I do kind of, I mean, when you hear the stories and the, the experiences I've had, psychic ability is part of it. Usually there's a tarot card reading in there, meditation, you know, an intuition, you know, a factual thing that happens, you know. And sometimes we see correlations and um, things that may or may not be uh, intuitively sent. Although I do offer this question, which perhaps is rhetorical. If I'm praying and I meditate and I'm thinking about my mama and I hear her say things to me in the voice she used to say, or she uses old words that I haven't heard in 10, 15 years, like she's got a nickname for me that nobody else has used. That's her special nickname for me that no, and it has to do with my name. So uh, it's a sweet little thing she does. And also she has songs she sings to me that are my name, you know, that are jokes that I'd love to share with you, but might reveal my identity and I want some privacy right now until I can feel safer to get some, you know, PO box set up or an LLC set up or something that's going to insulate me. Although I'm just going to say this, this is my content. I'm going to publish a book with this content. You know, if it's not your content, I know if it's not your content. So, uh, yeah, I own this stuff. Just going to say that. I don't know. I, legally, I, I mean, assuming the co I've been trying to figure out the whole copyright thing. You know, how are you going to protect that when you're anonymous? Right? So, uh, you're going to have to have a friend who's going to help you, maybe, who know, can shield your identity while they're doing some mechanical stuff, you know, or, uh, I don't know, 
But until then, I'm just going to take up some space because when I pray about it, God tells me, just talk about the house, just record it. It's going to be slow burn and it's going to take off and it's going to go shooting right up. And that's what I keep seeing. I see all these images of how this is going to play out. And I don't know if it's fantasy projection or if it's intuition sometimes, but I'm getting some intuitions on this stuff. So anyway, I digress. So in a good mood, thought I'd come to the mic because I come to you with many considerations and there's a lot to think about these days, huh? Um, celebration for today. <clears throat> Lizzo has a new song and uh, it's called Rumors. And uh, she got, is it Cardi B? Uh, I sure hope I got that name right. <laughs> There's about four or five really amazing female musicians coming out. You know, Cardi B and WAP and all this stuff where I'm like, damn, they're taking up space. They're taking up space and getting paid for it. Hey, uh, Rumors by Lizzo was number four on the top 10 charts the last week or two. Lizzo was interviewed on Jimmy Kimmel Live. <laughs> Some British boy with an accent who's flirting with her gangbusters. And um, I remember that fellow on Jimmy Kimmel Live asked Lizzo. Hey, do you think Drake, because she sings about Drake and the song Rumors, you see there's a line, a throwaway line, on, well, not throwaway, there's a line about Drake in there. And as rumor has it, if you read any of the articles in the news about Drake, there's a, a BBW, big black, uh, is it beautiful black woman? I've also heard it's big, beautiful woman. So um, I'm not sure which of the, beautiful black woman. Well, it could be one of those two things. I've heard BBW because I consider myself a BBW, even if I don't look like a BBW, or maybe I do. I don't know. Um, I have perception issues, see. So when you get people telling you wrong things about your body, sometimes you struggle with that when you're forming, right? So anyway, um, Lizzo, oh my God. Have you seen that? Have you seen that fucking video? Holy cow, it's art, 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 art. It's amazing. Oh man, she, oh my God, I could just go off on this thing. Lizzo, I just worship her. Um, she, uh, she's so artistic and educated and she, she plays the flute and that, that you know, it, it infuses her music, you know, and it's, uh, it is her music. It's her, you know, and um, what a talented, gifted, educated, beautiful woman. I just, oh, I just, I just thank you. Thank you. Thank you. She, you know, here she is 10, 20, maybe she's 20, 30 years younger than me. Uh Oh, <laughs> How old am I? Anyway, I just she just rocks and I, um the video. Um let me praise the video rumors for showing a pregnant woman in an erotic powerful manner. Uh, Cardi B. <clears throat> Cardi B up there on that throne. Uh and just emphasizing her pregnancy, emphasizing her body. Uh, oh, it's so beautiful and taking up space and saying this is me and I like it. Hey, I'm here. Uh, oh, I love it. Anyway, um, I struggle with that myself. So when I see others doing it, uh, it makes me happy. And it makes me feel like dancing and being with these people and, and being alive. Being alive. We're still alive. We're in all these little tangential little locations all over the place, you know, in our little pods. But, oh, there's a, there's a heart thumping. And there's a nice, there's some blood running in some veins. And there's some strong people. And I love it. Anyway, thank you. Thank you, Lizzo. I, I'm... I'm going to praise you every time I can mention your name if I can. Okay, so there's Lizzo. Love Lizzo. Thank you for the new song. And um, I want more, though. Actually, that's the thing about her. She just She's so good. You want more. You're just like, okay, I got my coconut oil. I got my, you know, all these, you know, boys. I got all, you know, all these songs that help me walk hundreds and hundreds of miles out in this country. I'm like, give me some more Lizzo. 
<laughs> I'm hungry for her content. She's amazing. Anyway, okay, thank you. Thank you for your work. Okay, now why talk about that? Well, music's a big part of my, my, my family. Okay, we got a lot of singing voices. We may not have money. Um, when we tell, when we told people that, you know, we're getting bait and raped here, they question our integrity. They judge us. Okay, and it wasn't us that did it. We was truthfully acknowledging things way back when, right? What are some strengths we had? Singing. What are what strengths we had? Music, you know? I'd say mama performed and let's say, <laughs> God, sister's got a minor in music with her her private, private university education she got. Some of us got private educations, yeah. Uh, let me, oh, here's something. We'll talk about this. Um, I may have mentioned this in the previous part. My mama had four daughters, okay? And um, one of those daughters, my daddy, well, it was my daddy or my uncle, um, I think it was my daddy though, gave her gonorrhea, okay? And mom ended the relationship in her poverty. She scooped up four kids and piled them into a car and drove them up to Walla Walla, Washington to live with her brother. And they had about seven, eight kids and three adults in about two, three bedroom place. <laughs> My mama, thank you for doing tough stuff to keep me safe, best you could. Thank you, mama. Anyway, so um, I'm gonna talk about that, the music and all the violence and all the, oh, one of my sisters, well, two of my sisters went to private university, but one of the four of us has a master's and a bachelor's from a very expensive private Catholic university. The one that got gonorrhea. And the rest of us, nah. <laughs> The grandma that paid for my sister to get her master's and her bachelor's from that private Catholic university had a, a, um, a guilt to assuage, see, and she paid it with that university. Now for me, the foster kid, well, she gave me six, $700 that first year out. And then the second semester she had come out. This is, this is my family. This is my father's grandma. Okay. <laughs> had a big old, they were well-known uh, farmers in the area. They had some money. Okay. At least they appeared to have some money. Okay. So uh, anyway, so paid for her master's and her bachelor's got that because she got gonorrhea as a kid. Right. So, okay. All right. But for me, she had me come out there my second semester. I was working at the track and fields. I was lifting up, uh, you know, those, uh, when they hop over those things, I was, I had a, air blower. I was blowing leaves. I was blowing leaves in the stadiums. I was picking up those hurdles. That's what they called hurdles. I was moving those things. They ain't light. They're heavy. Okay. When you got five or six of them, you got to move around. They're heavy. Okay. <laughs> anyway, I was working my house off and doing part-time work study, all kinds of stuff. I go out there. She put me to work. This is my daddy's mama. I'm about 18, 19 years old in Pullman, Washington at this point. But I come visit her in Colfax because she asked me to. And I worked her whole house. I did lawn work. I did dishes. I cleaned stuff. Because she was going to help me pay for college. So she kept me out there. My daddy's mother, my daddy's mother, grandma, uh, who my sister said she cheated at cards because she had a boyfriend who knew cards and saw her cheat. Okay. <laughs> and she'd do it with a dour frown on her face. She ain't going to smile that one. Anyway, so, uh, <laughs> oh, Jesus Christ. So, here we go. This grandma's going to pay for my sister's master's and bachelor's at a private Catholic university to, to assuage her guilt. But for me, the foster kid who's working as secretary walked into adult family services in Walla Walla because my daddy had abandoned me and my daddy was her son. See, and he was on the child number nine by the time I was in foster care. <laughs> anyway, 
Well, he might have been on eight or nine. I don't think he was on number nine yet with his third wife. Um, that's my dad. Uh, so uh, <laughs> I came out there. It was, I was about 18, 19 years old. I've been working. I was in Pullman, Washington, working my ass off. Go out there. She worked me all weekend. And she says, I'm not going to give you any money. I'm not going to give you any money for college. She made me labor for two or three days on her house. And then she just said, I'm not going to give you any money because I don't want to. That is my father's grandma. Or that's my father's mother. And that's my grandma on my dad's side. She's a bitch. And she's got double standards. And I'm angry at her. I'm just going to acknowledge that right now. And if I ain't shouting, and she's been long dead, I'm just going to acknowledge it happened. Okay, so in this context, thank you for letting me. Okay, today's grievances, subsection three. <laughs> I guess I'm sharing some of that. But I want to give you some context here where there's like, you know, if you've studied dysfunctional families, I'm going to kick back to John Bradshaw uh, on the family. And he's granddaddy for me because he was the introduction to 12-step. He was the introduction to therapy. He was the introduction to parents treat in, a, in an alcoholic home, if there's an addiction or alcoholism going on, uh, there's going to be roles that the kids are going to have. You're going to have the, the golden child. You're going to have the scapegoat. You're going to have all these other ones. And some of this information is found in John Bradshaw's On the Family. Now, this is a, a clinical, or no, it's not clinical. It's a book that came out about 20, 30 years ago, probably about 30 years ago. So it could be updated. Also, as a caveat, John Bradshaw is an educator um, who had several series on PBS trying to willfully educate or offer education freely to the general public about therapy and counseling and alcoholism. So praise to John Bradshaw. Now, John Bradshaw, I've got mixed feelings about why. Preachy bit. He was a preacher. He was a, he, was he a Pentecostal preacher? He was a preacher. I don't know if that Pentecostal was his church, but he's a preacher. Kind of like Billy Elliot. So they preach, right? Now, Billy Elliot's got a different flavor in pose. He's a preacher, but he preaches in a different way. Uh, they, they, they're kind of focusing on different things, right? But they're both preachers. And so sometimes it's like, praise you. Thank you. I need that strength. And also, uh, it's a little bit heavy-handed. Maybe got to back up a bit now and again, right? So, because everybody's like that, right? But praise and offer an honor to John Bradshaw because I discussed John Bradshaw with my mama. And we read the, her, his books together, right? We learned about how... Alcoholism and families and codependency and enabling can be fatal. <laughs> you know? Yeah. So, okay, here we are. We're going to be present today. What's the agenda? Well, I wanted to share some joy with you because I was fucking having some joy. <laughs> All by myself as a recluse dancing in the country listening to Lizzo. Why am I having some joy? I got a memory to share. Oh, it's kind of a strange memory. It's a limited memory, but I'll share it. Um, there's a band. They're called the Afro Celt Sound System. Afro Celt Sound System. They've been out at least 20 years. Uh, they're combining some funk and drums and rhythms and Celtic and uh, African roots and all kinds of stuff. I think it's called Afro. So I um, I'll say I don't know. I don't know all the roots. I do know that they have the drums and come from, they talk about being from, gosh, I feel, okay. As a white person, I feel self-conscious that maybe I didn't do an honor to these performers while I'm trying to describe where they come from. So you know what I'm going to do after I'm done recording this? This is my way of dealing with it. I may have fumbled a little bit there. I may not know where the band members come from. Actually, Afrocelt Sound System, I can't give you a name of any band member. <laughs> That's on me. But that being the case, I got their albums and um, I listened to them, right? So, uh, but I can put a link down there and, and 
I'll put some more information in the notes about their origins because uh, I may be ignorant in this moment and I'm acknowledging that. I want to educate myself. So anyway, love their music. I might need to work on the details of who they is, but um, my mama liked their music too. <laughs> and, you know, uh, trying to figure out music that we enjoyed together was a bit of a, you know, we were different generations, right? And so I'd be sitting here, uh, you know, in my 20s and 30s, I'd be going and dancing and all kinds of stuff. And a little tornado kind of in a way, um, moving around. And um, well, an example of that, just kind of trying to figure out music with mom and I, but I'll give you an example of that. Um, called mom one day. And, you know, this is, I was in my IT career at this time. So um, that's a career where hypervigilance can serve you if you know how to channel it, right? And there's people that will pay you to let you use that character defect or that uh, overcompensation for the harm you experienced previously, that hypervigilance, you can channel that and make some money, right? Um, but devaluing your time might be a problem. And in IT, they devalued women's time and they devalued black and brown skinned people's time and they devalued gay and lesbians people's time differently than they did with white Caucasian men who had money. <laughs> I guess I repeated that, but it's going to be a man. It's going to, you're going to be married, 2.3 kids. You know, they're going to have these things that they're in this class and then they judge everybody else outside of that class. Right. So, but anyway, I called mom. I was in the middle of my career at one point and I said, Hey mom, how you doing? I'm just checking in. Cause we check in every day, every other day. And she said, how you doing? I said, I'm just, I'm just dragging. My ass is dragging. Oh my God. I'm tired as hell. I just can't get nothing done. And I, oh. and she kind of paused, you know, this was after her stroke. Because before her stroke, I mean, she's a kick-ass warrior, babe, in my head. But after her stroke, it was more difficult for her. And I think I wanted her to be what she was before her stroke. And I think she did the best she could. And she was pretty good at it. She survived kind of five years after that. Let's see, five, six years after that. But at the same time, I could have maybe been more patient because I didn't know. I hadn't been around this like this before, you know. And uh, although I think I loved her pretty good. But, you know, you sit there and you go, I was impatient because I didn't understand what was happening. Right. So, and maybe in my fifties, early fifties now I do. So I call mom and say, Oh mom, I'm just, I'm dragging my ass. I just feel so tired. And she just paused. And she says to me, honey, um, you realize that um, your low energy is everybody else's high energy. Now you're aware of that, right? And I went, well, yeah, I guess so. So, you know, you my own mama, I, I don't know that I need coffee. I, I, if I was going to be addicted to something, it's not going to be a stimulant. It's going to be a depressant because I'm already, I'm wound pretty tight anyway. So, uh, <clears throat> yeah, high energy. So here's my mama. She loves her music. She's getting older and we're trying to enjoy music together. And here's a time when we did. And it was good. <laughs> Afro cell sound system. For some fucking reason, Afro cell sound system chose to play in Roseburg, Oregon. Now, Roseburg, Oregon is like a, it's a conservative town. It's a timber area. They have a bunch of timber. Uh, there's a timber uh, processing plant nearby. Um, it's got a flavor, okay? It's got a, a bandwidth, right? Afrocell sound system didn't seem to fit that, but it was an outdoor out park, you know, kind of a thing. And, and I was like, I was grateful for it there, but I was surprised it was there. <laughs> Because in that location, that was pretty surprising. So I like Afro South Sound System. Uh, Peter Gabriel has recorded with them. Uh, Sinead O'Connor has recorded with them. Okay. Uh, these people are skilled and talented musicians. Okay. So I was all excited because I'm like, hey, mama, 
can you believe this man is going to play? And I shared the music with her. She liked the music. She did. You know, here she was in her 50s and 60s. And she, uh, 60s at the time so uh she loved it and uh they've got all these oh it's just really good uh dancing music it's really good dancing music you could just rip off you could sweat and rip off all kinds of exercise with that and um it's just but it's also kind of haunting and if we're dealing with the voices of peter gabriel and sinead o'connor uh, weaving those voices with that music was just beautiful and i still listen to it now and again i was dancing my ass off to it today so during the time I took my mom to see this band, I was, uh, I think, maybe experiencing some romantic relationship addiction. Uh, there was a man I'd met in the area through a personal site, and he was laying it on pretty thick, and I was laying it on pretty thick, and, and then we got together once or twice, and then he just ghosted. So get this, I'm thinking about this person, it's happening right around this time, but I'm spending more time thinking about that maybe than spend time with my mom. I could have maybe done better there, right? But I think she had a good time, because... This was a great memory we talked about afterwards. So, but anyway, I'd drive a couple, well, within one to 200 miles, I had to drive down there to get her because it was nearby where she lived, um, down by Roseburg. And so I went and got her and I took her to this outdoor park uh, concert. Now, my mom hadn't been to an outdoor concert in probably five, 10 years by the time we did this. And we bought a little chair, bought a little blanket, made sure you had a little thing so you could sit in the grass. And, and we could just feel the music and the sound going through our bodies. And my God, there was this, you know, it was a pretty good scene. It was like, um, it was kind of like that Caucasian, white bread, uh, middle class kind of forest of trees. I mean, there's all kinds of places to dance and there's different energies and places you're going to dance. So a lot of times you're going to be an outdoor concert. It's going to be a lot of, in this area, in Oregon, Caucasian people who are couples with kids uh, on their blankets and they're kind of new age sensitive guys, you know, people like that, but they're also, they got boundaries and judgments that ain't always fair. See, so, so whenever you go to these outdoor concerts, a lot of times in this area, you know, uh, there's some big concerts, uh, you know, you want to talk about country fair down in Eugene, Benita, um, or ten, and that's, whew, you out of town, well, I can't, we can't do it these days, you know, but uh, pandemic times, but boy, I had some interesting experiences at that country fair, about a half a dozen of them I've gone to over the years. And going to that country fair down Eugene is a trek. All day event. You're going to get in, you're going to get out. That's going to be half your time, getting in, getting out. Then you're going to have fun when you're there. But it's, it's very, it's kind of remote and that's intended that way. So anyway, um, but I took my mama, I scooped her up. And at the time, I'm also kind of trying to, court this other fellow that fellow ended up we didn't plan it but he was at that event because he lived in the area and he happened to be there and then i confronted him because i was like hey hey ghosty toasty <laughs> don't think i use that language but i i remember i talked to him and i was like yeah what was that and he's like i was so overwhelmed and you were so beautiful and it was so intense and i just well you know he just had a bunch of excuses right but anyway uh it was kind of a hot time, though. I think that the other thing, too, is a lot of times I've come to realize that sexual intensity and charge, uh, for example, Rick Springfield, I've referred to him in the past. Rick Springfield has an autobiography that you might want to read if you're interested in learning about sexual addiction. It's called Late, Late at Night. Okay. Um, as autobiographies go, because I have Janet Jackson's autobiography, too, which is half cooking recipes, and I didn't get any information about who she was, her heart. I didn't really get a vibe on that from her book. And I was disappointed uh, reading that book. Because I, I, I admire, you want to talk about dancing? <laughs> 
Janet Jackson, I've spent hundreds, if not thousands of hours dancing to her music. <laughs> and she's got really good, it's really, um, it may not be the the biggest vocal. It may not be a Celine Dion vocal, but she's got rhythm. She's got talent. She's got, I mean, she's got, ba she's got the whole thing lined up. She knows her shit, you know? So anyway, um, after, let's go back to Rick. Okay. So check out Rick Springfield's late, late at night. It's not a biography. It's about sexual addiction. And if you're a person who studies addiction or you've had people in your family or you've had addiction issues, it's an angle from someone who's famous, who's being really vulnerable and talking about the fact that he has some culpability and some responsibility. Now that's refreshing. Someone's going to say, I'm responsible. And now I'm going to take actions to change my behavior to be more responsible. That I'll give you gold star all day long on that. Thank you, Rick Springfield. I, yeah, I liked hearing your soul and spirit in a different way through that book because I've been listening to your music and, well, your music has been a tool for me. I don't know if I see you as a person, Rick Springfield. I think I see you as an archetype and maybe talking through it helps to kind of see somebody with better eyes or kinder eyes maybe, right? So anyway, took my mama, Roseburg, piled her up, put her in my little car. Uh, it was an expensive car, but I still have that car. The car that's in my driveway. I drove my mom around in 15, 16 years ago. Right. So, and I paid for that son of a bitch. Anyway, so, and it was hard. <laughs> it wasn't a fancy car. It just was hard. You know? Anyway, uh, my mama would sit there on that grass. And I remember that big old band surrounded by all hundreds of kind of, you know, people trying to get their groove on, although they're from Roseburg, Oregon. So, you know, it's going to be that swath. And I'm that swath too. So I'm in the mix, ain't I? So anyway, so here we are. And she had fun. And she really liked that music. And she put her hand on her thigh. What she'd do, she'd take her hand, she put it on her thigh, and she'd just keep her wrist firm, you know, be laying down. But then she'd lift up her fingers and pat down. A pat, pat, pat. She just she'd just sit there and hit her hand and hit her thigh. And then she'd smile and she'd nod her head. And she really liked it, you know. And as a vocalist, and as a vocalist that I inherited my singing from, um, and down the line. Although my grandma, my grandma Mildred couldn't sing. My grandma Mildred, when she was trying to corral you, she was trying to get you to act good. She'd say, you better be good or I'm going to sing. <laughs> she didn't sing so good, but she knew my, my mama did, you know. And um, that's a whole other dynamic between grandma and mom because there were some jealousy issues, I think, because mom was really beautiful and talented. And Grandma Mildred was a beautiful woman, although in her family, she was second best, okay, in her family of origin, right? And let's go back to John Bradshaw's book on the family. He describes a dysfunctional family like a mobile, a mobile that's going to hang with a bunch of things hanging off of it, like a, a mobile a child might play with in their crib, right? Each one of those dangling bar parts is like a person in that family. And if somebody adjusts and shifts and gets therapy, it changes the whole dynamic for everybody like a mobile. Everything gets shifted and the ripples go all out. And that's John Bradshaw's image. And I appreciate that image because I've thought about that a lot with my family. My mama liked Afrocell Sound System. And we sat and we jammed out to that music. And I was distracted by a man at the time and I'd get some therapy. I can see it now differently, a little bit better. I was distracted, but I brought her that. And we... We, even with my own limitations, we had a good time and she loved that music. And I got her those albums. She just, she just loved that drum music. You know, I love it. I love seeing someone who's from a 1937. Well, she was born a long time ago. Loving the Afro Celt Sound System. And uh, we had a lot of joy and hopping around and laughing. And I wanted you to have some of that with me today because I was having it. I think I heard her talking to me too. And I can't guarantee it's her. 
But if it makes me feel better, who gives a shit, right? <laughs> hey, it's a fucking pandemic. Afghanistan's gone to shit. Texas is di- di- discriminating against women and saying it's a handmaid's tale down there. But guess what? <laughs> I was dancing with my music today and I was thinking about Lizzo with rumors and that beget me get some other music and I was thinking about my mama and I brought it to you today. You're welcome. <laughs> Thank you. You're never alone at the house on Valencia Street. You're never alone. And sometimes it kind of depends on whether you like it or not. 